Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam This, as I tweeted out, this is what it feels like when the Whitecaps win. I had almost forgotten what it was like. I know we won that game against Chicago in Orlando. That, that doesn't count. We've got a lot to talk about. For example... Who is going to be the first person to get a Jake Norwinski goal machine to two? Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when he scored that goal. It was very Jordan Harvey-esque, being in the box like that and pouncing on a shot. I think that's a good good comparison. But, yeah, he obviously doesn't have the pedigree that Jordan Harvey, you know, has. You got to be happy for Jake. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you, Michael, yeah, definitely definitely surprised. I mean, based on – you know how I thought things were going based on our our pregame chat. And I got yes. some things right, but not everything right. I felt I jinxed it when it was 2-1 and I tweeted out, oh, this is exciting. We're going to be able to talk about a win on the post-game show. And then about three minutes later, TFC leveled it up. But it, it's fine. It's it, They came good in the end. So we've got a lot of things to get into. I've taken some notes for this one and I've jotted down some notes from the, the post-game scrums. Right, let's let's kick things off. The, the lineup. There was a, a few surprises some emissions that were maybe surprising. But when you saw that lineup, Godoy was back in. We were back to four in the back. We had Theo Bayer, Lucas Cavallini leading the line. Jordi Reyna, not even in the game day 18. When you saw that lineup, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thought that I wasn't surprised at all about the midfield because there's no other options, apparently, now. Uh, this is the midfield going forward for, until they get some guys back. I was a little bit surprised about the Jordi Reyna. I thought everything had been solved and resolved. I don't know if it's a knock in training or they announced anything. I, I didn't need, well, I might have missed it in the broadcast or something. Well, the, the broadcast did say something, which I, I had to sign down for a big chunk of the broadcast because I was still editing my East Fife podcast word was that it was more disciplinary things. Now, MDS was asked post-game if that was the true, and he's like, no, 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 that's been picked up completely wrong. That is not the case. But maybe Paul was by. talking to... Yeah, maybe Paul was talking about what had happened before. I'm thinking he, it might he, be he that. Made, yeah. he, made it, he made it sound like it was in the present or something like that, so maybe that's the, uh, where there was miscommunication. But, I think that might um, have been where it was. I mean, for me... He was healthy. He's not on the game notes as being injured. 
if it's not a disciplinary thing, he's surely getting traded. And you, ha- you want to keep him healthy and not injured. The other surprises were Godoy uh, mm. being on the right-hand side. I didn't expect him to. I thought if he comes back, he maybe starts in the middle. Not one, something where he runs up and down and possibly injures himself again. And then the <laughs> other surprise was the fact that Rose was still in the back line and Rankle was taken off. I was surprised about that. Yeah. Um, just a quick update for you from, from the chat. Um, apparently, MDS said on the radio that Reina needs to show more in training. Oh, okay. Oh, that's now that's very interesting because on Friday on Reina's Instagram he posted, "Good training session, feeling really good." <laughs> Maybe that was in order to get ahead of the story. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, and and if you're if you're being outperformed in training by I know I know maybe he's got a better attitude now but if you're being outperformed by David Milinkovic uh, you know Google his stories from England if you're being outperformed by him in training that's not a good sign for you at all yeah I mean uh you, you talk about what you were surprised about I, I agree with some some of that what Steve said in one sense though, I wasn't surprised about Reina not because I, I thought or knew there was issues but just based on what they've done recently I wasn't surprised that he didn't start and uh like like in Orlando, I, you, he's very useful off the bench. Um, I was surprised uh, about Godoy because I didn't know how if he was ready to go or not. Um, and, it, and it looked like they were setting that up to be like a 45-minute first outing for him, which yeah. worked out okay. okay. Maybe we'll talk about that more later. Um, I was probably more surprised by the um, attempt at a diamond in midfield. I don't know if you can call it a true diamond or not, mm. but uh, how, they, how they set that up, I, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and if, so it feels like MDS and the coaching staff are literally trying anything to to get things going, and and, yeah. and maybe they've hit on something with with what they, what yeah. they did tonight. Because I think they it helped them. It helped them in 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 midfield have numbers against against TFC. I just thought they were going to suffer more out wide, and 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 they they did in one sense, but not enough to lose the match. Because especially if you consider forty three crosses for a TFC against 11 but the thing is that percentage wise tfc only connected on 19 percent of those crosses so that was a big difference there yeah i was just getting the the stats up 22 shots for tfc to seven for us you can have as many shots as you want if they go in who cares if they don't go in then you've got issues and the thing is nine on target too and they scored two on nine while vancouver scored three on three yeah, and then they came close. There was a couple of saves by Thomas Asal. There was the, the woodwork kind of saved us. And I think it was written in the stars that t- tonight was going to be the night. And I asked MDS after the match just what his overriding feeling was coming out of it. Was it satisfaction? Was it relief? Uh, was it joy? And for, for those of you listening on the podcast, I'll play for you just now what he said. The, the difference in the team tonight, the passion that was shown, the fight coming back a couple of times in the game to continue to go ahead. What was it that was different? What was it that clicked tonight that you feel was missing on that road trip? Yeah, that, like I said it a lot of times, I please don't see it as an excuse. Just see it as uh, me telling you a narrative that what happened. And when we came back from MLS's back uh, in Orlando without us being a team there because so many pieces missing. And then we come back from the quarantine of 14 days and 
train and it's like if everything was thrown so fast at us to go to Toronto and Montreal, but now we had some time to work and we had some time to prepare and we had time to have all the guys together. Uh, like you said, it, it was a win of fight and commitment and guys doing uh, things with passion, but it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good in some parts of our game. Um, again, uh, we have to grow with the ball. We have to, if we grow with the ball, we're going to have even more opportunities to score. Uh, defensively, in 1v1 situations, we we didn't close down all the time very well and aggressive. I think, look, the margin to progress is so high and to do that while you win is important. What's your What was your overriding feeling at the end of that? Was it joy? Was it satisfaction? Was it just relief to finally get that win again? Yeah, no, I would tell you, you touch it well. I think it was more relief to get the three points and keep working and keep trying to do things in training to better the team. Uh, but was it fully joy? No, no. I think, you know, tomorrow we have training. I'm going to work with the group that didn't play and then other groups going to recover. And then we have Monday off and then we, we have four sessions uh, to prepare again. And look, it, it, it depends what we want to be about. If we want to be a team that grows and that wants to have a winning mentality and keep growing as an organization, we have to hold ourselves accountable that it was good three points, good win, good to score, but so much to still work. There, it was relief, and it was obviously happy to get the points. He knows his things to work on, so there's some joy there as well. But just the relief that there was positive signs, because he needed to see a reaction from this squad. And Jake Nowinski talked about it in in his post game scrum as well. When they got back from the trip out east, they they all sat down. They had a meeting as a group with the management. And then the players sat down without the management and had a meeting themselves. So whatever was said worked. And I mean, there's a lot still to improve on and we'll get through all that as we go through it. But I mean, I'll be honest, when we agreed we were going to do a live post-game show, I was kind of dreading it because I thought, I don't want to have to sit here for an hour and a half and just be all negative again because it wears you down. And I'm relieved because it was a, it's a sense of relief. It's a weight off your shoulders that we're getting to talk about some positive stuff with the club. That's what we want to be here. We want to be talking positively about the club. And yes, there's a lot that was not good tonight. But let's focus first on the positives. And we scored three goals. We, we were having a little chat. I think Zach had posted it in, in our chat just before we took the lead off. It was a novel game plan the Whitecaps seemed to have, which was playing the entire match in their own half to start with because we were struggling to get out of that half and just get that ball moving at all. 
the, the game did not start well. The game the game started. It was like a it was like a continuation of the of the previous two matches, and I, I think we I think something needs to be said too about the TFC lineup uh, and how they how they approach things because they like there was obviously things that were going to be changed like Michael Bradley's injured so Liam Frazier comes in and uh, Akinola's fit so they want to get him some time so they start him ahead of yeah, Josie for for an easy Josie. game like this. Exactly. The biggest thing, though, um, and I can't remember. I can't remember. I think he played one or both or parts of both. But the, the, one of the key figures for TFC, whatever you think of him, whatever you think of his quality or what he's worth or whatever, one of the, the most significant players for TFC in in this three or four year run has been Chris Mavinga, because they are not very great at the back, and they need Chris Mavinga and his pace and and his defensive abilities to help compensate and. Laurent Simon has a lot of great, great footballing attributes, but he has not been great defensively uh, in his time in MLS since well, going back to maybe Montreal. Maybe even that's why I think Bradley let him leave LAFC. Well, you saw Theo Bear just leave him for dead. When I step back and look at the game as a whole, one of the most significant things about it was Mavinga not starting in terms of uh, things that impacted the game. But you're right, Michael. The, the game started, and it looked like Vancouver just was like, I don't. I, 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 I. You have to assume it was not, was not the plan, but they just literally felt like they sat back or they allowed TFC to just um, dictate the play and just. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they dropped deep or the, or they just didn't push up. You know, the few times they did clear the ball, whatever. But those first day, whatever it was 15, 16 minutes, it was, it was not fun to watch. It was not good to watch. It felt again like another training session. And all yeah. the Whitecaps had were like clearances and long balls and nothing going forward. And then out of nowhere, one ball played wide, a really good cross in, uh, not great defending. I believe it was Simon who was at fault. And, and, and you have a nice finish by uh, Lucas Cavallini and Vancouver's in the lead. It felt like to me like TFC was uh, looking to get, get rolling right off the bat. And they were looking at Vancouver as a wounded animal and not letting them get any kind of strength or whatever, keep them down, get that early goal, and completely sap any kind of, you know, goodwill they have at playing at home. Uh, and that's what it felt like to me. Like, And I think Vancouver, I don't think they had the people to play uh, and, and kind of, con- you know, be able to take that on. They weren't able to, like, break out or anything like that and maintain possession because they're not a possession team. So that kind of really went against Vancouver. I think that's the reason why. I think TFC really wanted to get that early goal. And the, the fact that Vancouver, like Zach said, Vancouver caught that early goal. Baldissimo with a great switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't see that often at all. Like where somebody's – because of the great switch, Ali had, and had so much time on that left-hand side to set up the cross. Always oh, a lovely cross and, as well. Perfectly swung in was, by Ali. And it wasn't easy for Cavallini to get that because that bounced off the ground and it could have bounced any which way, but it was a solid bounce and he headed it straight in. You can imagine the relief as well going through Cava. He talked during the week that his confidence was still there. It's not been knocked. He was taken off penalty duty. It didn't say who was going to be taking the penalties, probably Ali, but it was said that if there's a penalty, Cava is not taking the penalty. So it's like, phew. But... Or they could have declined, they should decline penalties from now on. <laughs> Oh, actually, since we're talking about penalties, what did you make of TFC's penalty midweek? The farcical thing where you're 1-0 down, you've got a chance to tie it up against local rivals, 
and you just think, oh, I'm going to be a smart ass and try a circus trick. I mean, the fact that they were, if it had been a nil-nil game, it would be different. But even then, it wasn't even just that. I mean, it was those things you said, Michael, but it was more. They were going for the opportunity to, like, break the record for most whatever wins or undefeated games or whatever it was <laughs> in, like, MLS history in league play or something, something ridiculous. And to, ha- to lose it on that was awful. And the, the clips that TSN played in terms of the impact, I forget who it was. Was it Brogiar? I know it was Bro. I forget who it was, but uh, the ma- I think they were wearing a mask. But um, uh, saying, like, look, when you disrespect the game that way, when you disrespect your opponents that way, this is this is what should happen to you, kind of kind of thing, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it felt I, like I can't like Penenka's. I can't be bothered with because I I just think it's it's showboating for the sake of showboating, and it's a bit disrespectful to your opponents as well. And you're making it all about you and not the team. If you're a few goals up and you do it, maybe. But that there's no excuse for that. And I know Cruyff did it years ago. It was like when the first one was Cruyff was the one that did this. And yeah, legend. It's disrespectful. It's idiotic. And I mean, there's questions actually as to whether the goal should have stood. But there was a bit of encroachment. So maybe it should even have been retaken because there was encroachment by both teams. But either way, it was idiocy. The real encroachment was from, from Piatti, which... That doesn't allow it to be retaken. That's why. That's why it wasn't given, and that's why they didn't get to take it again. But it was just idiotic. Um, it, 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 yeah, it, it was ridiculous. And, and the thing is, is I think I also you were mentioning Cruyff. Uh, I think Messi and Suarez actually did it, and and super successfully did it uh, with Barcelona. Uh, but the uh, the thing is about that is, and, and the thing is, the karma really hit them hard that game too because they lost Bradley in that game, and now they lose this yes. game. It's like it's like. It's what if this is an amazing turnaround where they start losing and Montreal actually makes it in because they're they're pumped mm. up right now. I'm assuming after hey, this result, we're still in with a shout here. I was I was going to say, Steve. So you want Montreal to beat Vancouver in the next two games, eh? No, no, nothing like that at all. I'm just saying that uh, from their perspective, that they have a they, they, they at least they have a chance now going forward. So do we? And as long as there's a chance, it keeps us alive and it keeps us something to talk about. And if it isn't us, and I can't believe I'm saying this, after everything that went on in the past, I hope it is Montreal. I, they're, they're a likeable team right now under Thierry Henry. They're playing some nice football, and I feel once he fully has them clicking, because he's sorted the defence out, it feels, once he's got that attack click, clicking, which hopefully doesn't come in the next two games against us, but I think they're going to be a, a real contender under him. So... We covered the first goal. It's 1-0 white caps. It's like woo-hoo-hoo against the run of play very much. Eight minutes later, Cava's best childhood friend, Jonathan Osorio, makes it one all. Well taken goal. You have to ask questions though about the space that he that was given not to him but to Pusuelo on the edge of the box. That was a lot of room. And again, it's what we went back to last year. Midfield, not closing, tracking guys down and giving these guys acres of room to do what they want with the ball. Yeah, this was Baldissimo with that. Uh, it wasn't able to close down. Um, I think it was Baldissimo and possibly Tybert. I can't remember if it was Ty- uh, Baldissimo and Wosu. But yeah, he had a... And it was a well taken, like you said. Right off, before he even hit the ground, he basically volleyed it before he hit the ground and, and just sliced it in there. Uh, Hassel with no chance at all in that one. Yeah, it was very, very poor marking at the back post. Oh, Godoy, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
Yeah. It, 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 I mean, I don't know if they said in the broadcast or we were talking about it or what, but it felt like they were targeting him. Um, Which would make sense because yeah. he's, just, he's just in. And it's like, it's not his number one position, although he did play well towards the end of last season when he was tried out there. Godoy, though, was pulled off at half time, so check that off the AFTN bingo box. Lucky lad. I tried that, didn't work. Had to just make do with a coffee. But MDS said afterwards, he just felt that if things weren't going for him, he was getting a bit tired out there, so he brought Jake on. It made sense. I was concerned at half time, though, that TFC were getting back into it. When they tied it up at 1-1, I was like, oh, here we go, just because of what the possession was. But, I mean, full fair play at the Caps. The, the second half, they came out with a belief. And, yeah, TFC, yeah. again, dominated quite a bit of the match. Especially the first 10 minutes. Yeah. But we didn't give up, and that was the good thing. We didn't give up a goal. Obviously, we didn't give up either, but we didn't give up a goal. But then, 2-1. What a strike by Baldy. Take a bow. And I don't know what was better, the strike or the celebration afterwards? The strike. Okay. And, and he landed the this, this celebration, though. Yeah. Good. He channeled his, his inner Robert Earnshaw by landing and not his inner Andre Lewis by not. Yeah. Of course, Andre Lewis did that in a pre-season game against Uvic. Yeah. Take your moments. But he, but he made it on television with that. True. Yeah, that's true. He, they showed, I don't know if it was in the broadcast or it was just the sports and after, they showed a video of him doing that, that, that celebration when he was eight years old. Tonight's was a little bit better than when he was eight. Oh, I never saw that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I was really pleased for Baldy because like, we, we've known the, the three Baldy brothers that came through the residency. There is a fourth one, but Mark was the first. He's, he's playing soccer locally. He's involved in coaching now. Uh, Matthew, we know, is with Pacific FC. We'll talk a bit of CPL at the, the end of this as well. He's having a, a good season under Pamaduka. But for, for Michael, with everything that he went through last season, so delighted for him to be getting a run in the team. But to get that goal as well, what that will do for his confidence is tremendous. I mean, MDS said afterwards, he challenged him that he has to show that he deserves to be in the starting lineup and keep his place in the team. I think he did that tonight, not just with a goal, but with a lot of his overall play. Well, he he got the second assist on the Kava goal he, with that with that switch. Um, he got this goal, and the tackling he did. There was uh, like I know we're uh, we're we we said something that he didn't you know cut him down the Pozuelo there on the, on TFC's first goal, but there were moments, especially in the second half, where he really was disrupted TFC's flow through the midfield. Um, there were minor little things. He would get the ball back, chip it away off them. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to maintain possession, but he kind of slowed them down and chipped away at their possession. So I think very important things that he did there in the midfield. Okay, so Michael, you mentioned his his uh, injury, or whatever, last year, and but uh, he's been he was in preseason, right? Yes. Okay, is it just Inbom Wong that has kept him out of the team? Because like. I mean, when you when you look at the squad now, you're like, how has this guy not played before? Or not played more before? Yeah, I think it is in bomb. And the fact that he was unproven. So, like, do you throw him in at the start of a season? No. Or was he... I think I think he did have some, not niggling injuries, but he did have some uh, blowback from the other injury from last year. He wasn't... 
I think he had a couple fit. of injuries last year, if I remember right. I don't think it was yeah, one. I think, he, I think he had a setback from the first injury. And he wasn't fully fit. Like, he wasn't preseason, but he wasn't fully fit to go for, like, a full 90. But, I mean, if you're looking at midfielders that you were going to play, it was. it's obviously, it, it's going to be Owusu, it's going to be Tybert. That I know that's arguable, but just the way that things have gone, Tybert, Andy Rose, Inbaum, like, they're all ahead of him in the picking order. And then depending what formation... MDS plays. There's not a lot of room for midfielders in there. But would you would you say that's changed now based on these I last think that, games? Yeah. Well, I think it's changed now, not just by his performance, but I think Mark is trying different formations and trying to maybe utilize the midfield a bit more because that that's where everything's fallen down this year with the midfield. I mean, we've been able to score goals when strikers get the ball, and something that MDS said about Cava after the match was that he feels that Kava, Kava needs to feel that he's not the only guy that is getting attention from defenders. So there has to be other threats out there. And I feel we haven't really had those other threats. And part of it is because the midfield's not been creating to, to release other things. So everything has fallen on Kava's shoulders. And we know Kava's a good striker. He's shown it throughout his career. I said in last week's show about MDS, you don't become a bad coach overnight. You don't become a bad striker overnight either. You need to have the service. And Kava's not the kind of guy that makes things happen himself. He relies on service. And that's why the midfield's been important. And I think that's what's changed now, that we're going to see a more impactful midfield. And, I mean, Baldissimo stood out for me tonight in the midfield. Owusu and Tybert were kind of invisible. I was watching it with half an eye because, as I said, I was editing my other podcast, but I didn't feel that I noticed him. I noticed when he got a, had to go get a new boot. Mm. And I noticed at the end when he was down and a bit of pain, Uso as well, whatever had happened. Oh, yeah, Uso, yeah. Mm. I think I remember Russell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I mean, that, that made it 2-1. For those of you listening to this on the podcast, we'll take a little break now and we'll be back chatting more Whitecaps after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I don't give a fuck about the past, a glory days gone by. All I care about right now is that we mole inside your thigh, and my confidence might crumble, but my brio is unbroken. And all your knots, let our bodies be awoken. It's been another seven years, it's showing round the eyes. Another seven years entombed in lethargy and lies. But let's dig out our old clothes and prepare for celebration. I am the son of sleep, all I need's an invitation. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first song of this month's AFTN Artists of the Month. And for September, we've stayed in Scotland with the fantastic band out of Falkirk called Arab Strap, a band that was formed in 1995, broke up in 2006 returned for some live shows in 2016, and now, four years later, they're back with new music, their first new single in 15 years, 
And that was a little snippet of it that we played for you there. It's a song called The Turning of Our Bones, inspired by the Famidahana ritual of the Malagasy people who dance with the corpses of loved ones. What more could you ask for in a soccer podcast? The band will be coming out with a new album in 2021. Really can't wait for that. And we've got some fantastic songs spanning their career coming up for you this month. But enough of the music chat. Let's get back to the football chat now and let's get back to talking more Vancouver Whitecaps. We'll get to your chat soon. There's a lot of stuff in the YouTube chat. We've had a lot of tweets as well, so we're getting to to all of that. But if we continue just breaking down the game quickly. So, I mean, it was 2-1 and I was feeling confident because I thought, yeah, we'll be under pressure, but I fancy us to see it out. But then when Pesuelo tied it up in the 71st minute... That was an easy goal for him to was. finish off. It was, it was more poor defending, which was the story of the night, really, from the Whitecaps' point of view. If you're looking at the downside tonight, it was the defending. Jake, I need to maybe see it again. I blamed him in our chat, saying that Jake was at fault for it. Yeah. He certainly let him get goal side off him and didn't really seem to do much of a challenge, but then you can't do much of a challenge in the box without giving away a penalty. But he let him get in goal goal side of him, and then after that, there's not a lot you can do. Well, Jake had somebody behind him too that he was marking as well. So he he had had the two guys. And you could almost say it could be Andy Rose's fault partially. You could also say one of the midfielders should have came back to cover um, and put another man in the box to cover on that. So there were a number of... But it was was a perfect... uh, crossed by Piatti on that one. But it was so easy because there was nobody around Pizzuolo to even... Like, I think even if somebody was a half-step closer to him, that would have put pressure on him. Maybe he doesn't get the right header on there. Uh, but it was way too easy for that one. Yeah, I mean, it was a good finish. Don't get me wrong. It was a great cross pinpoint on his, onto his head. But, yeah, it, it was disappointing. And I really feared the worst at that point. Yeah, in a moment, we're going to talk about how, how Jake's goal ends up winning the match. But you see why Eric Godoy has an opportunity to play right back. Uh, because he's, even though he was not great on the first goal, I think overall he's probably better defensively than Jake Nowitzki is as a, as a right back. Um, uh, now, Jake might arguably provides more going forward, but um, when you're talking about defensively, uh, yeah, Jake did not look good, on the, look good on that goal. And if he had two men, if he had two guys there, then, that's where you like. That's where like you got a community like communication comes into it as well, right? But yeah, the the defending was was um, uh, defending on the goals and a couple. Well, we'll talk about it later. But defending on the goals didn't look good. Yeah, I feared the worst. Wasn't to be though because the Whitecaps showed some real grit, some real fight. Jake Narinsky, goal machine, as we talked about to, at the start, and it was a well-taken goal. He said he's targeted getting more in the six this year. He said that at the start of the season when he got the goal in that home opener. And it's great. It's what we need from both our full-backs. It, it was just, it was nice for him because you were starting to think, well, he's not in the starting lineup. We've got Godoy now in at right-back. Bikel can play right-back. Mukalumbwa can play right-back. It's the writing maybe on the wall for Jake it's, I mean, you have to wonder things like that when, when he's left out the starting lineup. But come up, came on, and was hungry, putting a good shift, and well taken goal. 
Yeah, um, it's, uh, you, you're talking about the fullbacks. It started with the fullback because Ali Adnan threw in the, the free kick first. Uh, Andy Rose picked it up, sent it right back into the box, and then, you know, pretty much slotted in. I, I think he was almost the second wave of players that were in that box. Uh, so he came right to him. He, he put it in, and it's not – for a fullback, that's probably not even an easy finish. You could, you think you would be able to put it in, but he, he came in really fast to him. Um, he was able to slot it in, so it's a good finish. And it, it was funny because Baldissimo made up for his mistake on the defensive side by scoring a goal, and then he got Andy Rose and Jake combining to make up for their mistake on the goal by uh, Pozuelo. So uh, good on both of them to, to uh, get that lead back that they had given up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, you got to be happy for Jake to be able to to fight back and and uh, uh, provide uh, provide the, the the winning touch there. Um, in terms of the, the the match as a whole, uh, the official man of the match was was Baldissimo. Uh, would you guys would you guys agree with that? I would put Hassal ahead of him, and we haven't even talked about him yet. No, but I would put Hassal over Baldissimo at this um, point. I was, that's what that's what I was going to say too. Who, who do you think, Michael? I, I think I would have given it to Baldissimo, actually. I, I'm, I'm with Steve. To, to me, there was at least f- four very quality saves and one or two match-winning saves from Hassal that uh, I, I don't think I don't I don't I I think it's a four-three or a five-three game without him. Yeah, I think if you put in top five plays of the of the game for the Whitecaps, I think four of them are Hassal and one is Baldissimo. The two saves that really stood out to me was. The one just before the half, uh, he, he, that diving save to, that was headed to the top corner. And then that one, the last chance that they had, I think, 80, first 82nd minute, Osorio right in the box and uh, like almost like dead on. It went right to him, but it was a hard shot. He could have easily spilled it, and that could have been disastrous either. It wasn't, though. We held on for the win. What, what more could you, could you want on a Saturday night? Just before the Labour Day weekend, it was not a laboured performance. There was a, a lot of improvement still needed. MDS said after the match, might be paraphrasing a little bit, but pretty much he said he's happy with the three points. And he says he might be coming across as being hard, but he just feels that there's still so much room for improvement in that team. And everyone that spoke, Kava, Jake, they said the same thing. It's like, yeah, three points, but we still have so much to improve on. The thing is, the one thing I'd like to see them improve on is um, improving their possession, but also making something of their possession. Um, like the the first goal was a, a quick counterattack, and the other two goals were set pieces, basically, or extended set pieces, or whatever you want to say. So it'd be nice if they had possession and could do something from it. I think that was that would be the number one improvement other than defensive play. But I think if you do that, your defensive play will improve as well. When you're talking about this match as a whole, yeah, I would say Vancouver is worth the win. However, like Steve is saying, the way they got the win was off, you know, the first goal was nice, a nice build up, and, you know, but the other two goals are both from set pieces or offset pieces or broken second phase, whatever. But so they, they really need to. They really need to work at creating more from from play, and that's where when you talk about when you talk about uh, Hassal's contribution, he's like they're giving up quality chances that he's having to stop. That 
that you don't see them in turn uh, making other than uh, the one for the opening goal. So that's really that I agree with Steve. They need to work at. Um, it feels like um, as a as a group collectively uh, creating chances better in possession and not only from the counterattack. If we're talking about goalkeepers, then. I think Thomas had a, a great game. I think he's really grown into the position. He's getting stronger with every game. He looks more commanding. He's looking more confident. How worried were you when he went down at the end there and Brian Meredith, who wasn't medically cleared to play today, we had Isaac Bomer on the on the bench and he was all stripped, looking like he might have to come on. How concerned were you at that point that we would be on our fourth string keeper? I a little like it might be five percent, but I I feel like Hassal played like the veteran thing and 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 milked it for everything that he had. Yeah, like I I think this guy is so cool under pressure. Um, like he, even after he, you know he celebrated the win, then he turned around and he gave that same like like smirk that he's been giving. And then I think I, I remember talking to you guys off air, and I kind of said he kind of has that look of the Joker. Yes, uh, from the Batman, like he has that kind of look where he could play the Joker if they ever wanted as a Halloween costume or something like that. He's got that look, so he's got that smirk, and I, I think he he knows what he's doing. And I think in that case, I don't think I don't think it was that much of a concern for me. Okay, let, let's keep this theme going then. If he's the Joker, who would be the Riddler? Who is the mystery man in the White Caps? Jordy Rayner right now because nobody knows if he's coming or going. Uh Mister Freeze. Well, no, it would have been Luca. It would have been Lucas Cavallini before because he was so cold, like ice cold for scoring goals. I, I'm thinking Freddie Montero. He seems frozen out of the lineup right now. Yeah, well, he was in the 18, wasn't he? Or he no? was, but he didn't. Didn't. Yeah. Come on, the Penguin. Ooh. Well, Baldissimo is kind of smaller, right? I I probably go Tybert. Hey, Baldissimo's smaller, and he has those. I mean, the Penguin has those little robots that are bombs. Mm. And he, and he, he had no, a bomb. I, I'd actually say Tybert, and I'll give you the reason afterwards. I'm not going to say that on live on air. Oh, okay. And it's got uh, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with this height. Oh wait, 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 wait. No, I, I don't know if this is for this part, but oh, I might, we might be ahead of this. But um, I think Naveed just said in the comments that Jeff Anderson should be should be one of those characters. <laughs> uh, who would be yeah. Two Face? Or should we just leave our discussion here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's stop right there. There's too many options. None of them are probably on the pitch. Okay, let's move on then. Um, That was a great point, Michael. Naveed says uh, Jeff Jeff Anderson should be the Riddler. (laughs) This is like, what does he do? I'm guessing. (laughs) Who who would be Bane? Probably Wondolowski, because he's the Bane of the Whitecaps, always scoring against us. Razal Ghul? I could, I could go on for this for a while here. This is great. This is my kind of. There's so many. There's so many people that would be Razal Ghul is. Or is she, I I don't want to get in trouble because this is a lot of YouTube. <laughs> okay, let, 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 let's move on. Last last Batman thing that we'll say then is the the trailer for the new film, which is on suspension at the moment because Batman has COVID. I'm stunned by that. He wears a mask. How can he get COVID? But anyway, that aside. I love that they're using Nirvana's Something in the Way because that's one of my all-time favorite Nirvana songs that I feel does not get the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, it's a good, it was a good it was a good uh it was a good trailer. It was a perfect song too. People are inspired by this in the chat. Oh, cool. Um, people are saying Jeff Anderson is more like Two-Face, I think. 
But then Caleb, Caleb Wilkins also says, Tybert is clearly Razagul. People keep saying he's done and he keeps coming back. Oh, very good. How about you? Let, let's get to some of the, the chats now. And also for, for those of you listening on the podcast, you'll be delighted to know that this is also the start of Football Violence Awareness Month. And for those of you in the stream, I'll just show off my T-shirt that I'm wearing to celebrate the, the thing tonight. And I've also, because I'm doing the East Five podcast now, we've kicked off Football Violence Awareness Month and that. So we, we're like across two continents. We are honouring the, the fallen, the, the football hooligans who have nothing that they can do right now because of COVID. They, they can't go and meet. They like to wear their masks, obviously, but I mean, that aside. But we'll get to that when we get to Wavelength. Let's get to some of the chat just now. So let's kick things off. The very first message, Nobertos said he's glad we're back. He saw the Whitecaps highlights, didn't watch the, the full game, and he's surprised that they won. He just hopes that they keep the momentum going. And that is the thing now, because, yep, we're cock-a-hoop. We've got three points. We're not bottom of the West. We're actually third bottom now. Because Colorado and San Jose drew tonight 1-0. So we're third bottom. Nine points from nine games. So we've got our, our points per game up to a full one now. It was looking as we were the only team in MLS that was below one. But this doesn't count for much if we don't keep it going. We've got to take something from these next two games against Montreal. This is probably the appropriate time to read this text I got last week. <clears throat> it said, for a moment, I thought you were in my neighbor's backyard. Nope, he was just listening to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the spouse of one of my coworkers. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, now, let I us know if you listen to the podcast. If you listen to us in any exotic places, let us know. I don't, I don't consider Abbotsford being exotic. That was actually Kunarad, Kunarad's neighbor. I class Abbotsford as being the interior, so I think we're fine. Anyway, Noberto says, I think Reina not being on the 18, at least as a sign that he and MDS are at odds now. If Reyna is in MDS's doghouse, I can't see Reyna staying here before the season ends as Peru starts World Cup qualifying soon. You know what? I, I just want him to go now. No better as follows that up as saying Reyna wants to play for the national team and needs playing time to be considered by the coach. But if Reyna wants playing time, he needs to show he wants playing time. I am all for him moving on just now. He does not give us the consistency we need. Yes, he's a talent, but we need more than that. We need also a guy that's going to give it all for his coach. And it does feel... That, and we talked about some senior players that we didn't name last week. You can join the dots here. But Reyna needs to show the coach the respect and play that he wants to be in this team. I hear you. I totally hear what you're saying, Michael. But looking at it from another perspective, if you go back to the comments that you shared last week about, uh, I think it was last week, about Axel Schuster saying, oh, yeah, no, MDS is good for this year. Mm. Uh, beyond this year, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, surely that has to come into play in terms of like if MDS if, if Schuster and the people he works with have already determined that MDS is not going to be here next year because it's the end of his you know the first few years of his deal and it's you know no, he's, well, he's got a three he's got a three year deal okay. whatever yeah whatever they're going to get rid of him whatever uh, would you not think hey we, we want to see what a new our our new coach can get out of a Jordy. Now I say all Maybe. that. I don't want, I don't want MDS to go. I'm not one of those people, but I'm just saying to talk about the other side of what you just said, him not playing for this coach. It seems like that is at least part of the case. But if, if you know, you have what, how only a few games left this year, 
why would you get rid of him if you're also planning on bringing in a new coach? You know what I mean? Unless you can get some, unless you get money or something that's, you know, something in return, which. I mean, to, to me, he's too up and down. He's like the seesaw of the Whitecaps playground. What other players could be playground things? Who would be the swing set? Who would be the monkey bars? But we'll save that for next week before he's on the Batman thing. So let's get back to, to some more chat. David Masinchi, uh, great fight by the boys. So happy to see Hassal and Baldy grow. Let's be honest though, TFC is at another level. On another day, TFC wins this easily. And yeah, I mean, MDS touched on it after the match. The difference in quality between TFC and the Whitecaps is phenomenal. TFC are the best team in Canada right now. I think Montreal could give them a good run for their money in the future. But, I mean, they, they do look to be on a different level. And it just didn't happen for them tonight. That sometimes happens. A lot, we talked about this in our, our chat before the match. A lot was made this week, and even Kava spoke about it pre-game, about no one likes to come and play on this turf. And that's a change, because it was very, it was the narrative this week. The team played on turf, trained on turf instead of grass, so the players could get used to it given that advantage because you're you're getting teams that's coming that I don't know like used to playing on grass doesn't do much of stuff like that what do you think is the reason that they're now focusing on playing up the advantage of turf I, I think they just maybe they're just trying to get in TFC's head or something like that I think it was just a kind of gamesmanship kind of thing um because they, they know that people hear that all the time that you know the, people come in and complain about the turf as they after the game um, so, uh, what, did somebody ask him about that or did he bring it up on his own? He, I think he brought thing. it up on sure. his own. I'm not sure. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. It was, uh, I think he was asking about advantages of home advantage or something like that. Stuart oh, okay. But no, my, Michael, I think there's been partly a philosophical, well, I don't know, philosophical change, but like, we do know that players used to get fined if they said anything negative about the turf. Now I know yeah. what he's saying is not maybe not his own opinion or his own perspective on the turf. But I think previous times we would not have heard people say what he said kind of so openly putting but, down the turf but saying, hey, we're going to use it to... He, he never he never complained about the turf. He said other teams, yeah, other people uh-huh. don't like playing on it. So that's kind of a workaround where he's yeah. not complaining about it. He's saying that other people come in and don't like it, so we might as well take advantage of it. But then, Michael, you can also say it sounded like that, that was... a. Uh, kind of coming out of the Whitecaps camp this week. Well, yeah, because MDS was talking about the fact that they were training on turf because they know it can give them an advantage. So, I mean, just reading between the lines of that, it's like, because we know it's difficult to play in turf and it's not it's not ideal. And, I mean, it, it isn't ideal. What did you think of the, the crowd noise being pumped in and there was music getting pumped in as well to, to the stadium? Uh, I, um, pers- I didn't... I, yeah. I didn't like it either too much. It, it was. Uh, it seemed like there were some people live there as well. Um, it didn't seem like it was like there were some people cheering. Uh, I, how many uh, uh, staff were there? Was there quite a bit, or I don't know. Were they what? Uh, it's a good question a for the media. I don't know how many media. Were yeah, there, but it well, quite... not the not just the media, but like I feel like like especially when they were announcing the goals, and um, they said thank you. The announcer says thank you and. 
there were loud people that said you're welcome and it seemed like a live thing so maybe they had no, people that was, around the I, microphone that, that was pumped that was pumped in i think was that pumped in because that's what, so. like there were only it looked like there were only a few people that said you're welcome and stuff like that and michael so, was it pumped into the stadium or into the broadcast or both? at the like, stadium so the players, the players could hear yeah. it like if you're gonna do that why would you it's it was almost like they did it halfway. Like it, to me, it was like so quiet and so like, just I don't know. It it was just yeah. I, I, I don't. He, one, I don't like the idea. Two, I don't think the execution was done in the in the best way. I mean, I, I was stunned that when they were pumping it in, that at one point in the broadcast, I heard Bobby out shouted from the crowd. I mean, I, th- I thought it's really authentic. They've really <laughs> gone for realism here. Um, I also remember BC Place is a very cavernous stadium. So if they, they might have thought their levels were good and, uh, there, and it might not have came out across on the TV. True, true. Anyway, we will be back with some more Whitecaps chat and some more of your messages from the YouTube stream and on Twitter as well. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Jake Norinsky, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first of tonight's Three of a Kind songs. For those unaware or that just need a reminder, at the starts of parts three, four and five, we will play a song and each song will be connected in some way. Your job is to try and work out what the connection is. And if you've worked out the connection by the end of the second one, have a stab at what you think we might be playing to kick off part five. What is tonight's link? Well, the song that you heard there is by Glasgow band The Yummy Fur, who will also be a future artist of the month. They were meant to be last year, but then they unfortunately had to cancel their gig in November. That was when it was all scheduled for. And obviously with COVID, they've never been able to come back. But that was The Yummy Fur, with a song called Cosmonauts and Carbonauts. The 22nd track from their 60-track 1997 album, Kinky Cinema. What could the link be? And I'm looking for a very specific link this week as well. Not There's a general one you could get, but we're wanting some specifics. We'll give you the second song to kick off part four. But for now, let's get back to some more Whitecaps chat and have a look at some of the messages that you've sent us in the YouTube stream and also on Twitter. So... If the club is going with the youth movement, asks Nobertos, get tons of gam and tam for Reina now. That's an interesting one because we are starting to build up gam and tam. What are we going to do with it? I think even if they don't, um, uh, you know, start a youth movement or anything like that, they, I don't think Reina's an extra right now. They have plenty of other players and they should be bringing in new players anyway. So why not take advantage of get something for him at this point if he wants to move on? And he's and he's been a problem at the white cap. So I think I agree with you fully uh, that 
it should he should be gone and moved on. Here's a an interesting one then, just to play on what Zach said earlier. So we we all want MDS to continue. Let's just state that for the record now. But let's speculate the hypothetical. If the club feel that they want to move him on at the end of the season, do you give him all this gam and tam to spend now? Or do you wait to see if a new guy's coming in? And if we don't make any big splashes with this gam and tam, is that maybe an indication that they're thinking they might want to go with a new guy and not spend it just now? Totally understand that, but isn't it Axel Schuster's call to see who what players he brings in? Oh, that's true. So I, if I he's okay, if he's so, like, yeah. He's the, so he's if he's okay with now and the overseer. So if he's okay with those players coming in, and if it's whatever system, I'm assuming they want to run a similar system. They said they want to find a system and run it all the time. Well, yeah, uh, but if you bring if, if you bring a coach new coaching staff, a new coach might be like, no, I'm four three three, or no, I'm three five. No, no, I understand. Or, I understand that, but they said that they once they bring in this coach, they wanted to bring in have one system and bring in the same type of coach, not not like change it back and forth. What is the identity of the team? And that was something Kava talked about after the game. I, I'll play that for the folk that's listening on the podcast just now. Just uh, what Kava said when I asked him about the difference in the team now and what it was like out east. Mark talked about there's still stuff that needs to improve, but obviously delighted with with the three points and delighted with the performance. From being on the pitch, what were the biggest differences that you noticed between the kind of passion, the intensity and the desire that we saw tonight that you feel was maybe missing on that road trip out east? Yeah, I mean, uh, just to find that uh, identity in in this team, um, we lacked that that identity on the road trip uh i mean maybe we needed those three games uh as a wake-up call i mean we couldn't afford to lose any more points and we knew today was going to be crucial for that and we needed to walk out of here with three points no matter what so uh, i guess just that sense of um that sense of um you know uh, just thinking thinking of we had to win this game no matter what 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 then do you feel needs to be worked on going into the last two games against Montreal. We obviously still don't know what's happening after that, but for these two games that we do know is going ahead, what do you feel the team really has to work on now to build on this and not let this just be a one-off? I mean, we still have a lot to improve. Uh, Obviously, today wasn't uh, a really good game from us, a really good performance, but, you know, uh, the main thing we did today was score goals. Not only one, we scored three, so... And we walk out of here with three points. But, yeah, we have a lot to improve on. Uh, I think we need to keep the ball more. It's something we lack. We give the ball away too easily. We lose the ball easily. And it's something we need to train on towards uh, towards these next two games uh, remaining. Hey, Jake. I asked Mark uh, and Kava this, so I'll ask you as well. The difference in the team tonight, like there was passion, there was fight, there was seemed to be desire. It seemed so markably different. To what we saw out in this this road trip, what do you put that down to primarily? Yeah, you know, after this road trip, um, as you know, we all know that it was very tough. You know, the results that we got, um, we, we came back. You know, we had a a team meeting with the coaches, and we had a team meeting just the players, 
And we kind of sat down and we said, this is, this is where we need to turn it. We need to flip the script. Now we need to, you know, build and we need to try to get points whenever we can. And I think coming in tonight, you know, getting three points off a very good team, it's definitely something to build off of. And um, it's something that we really needed at this point in time. Kava mentioned that he felt the team still really, especially on the road trip, searching for an identity. What, what do you feel the identity of this team needs to be? And did we see some of that tonight? Yeah, you, you know, we're not one of those teams that's going to, that's going to spend a bunch of money on, you know, a one big time guy. You know, we do have our DPs. Yeah. But we're going to have to be a team that plays together, that believes together. And it, it's got to be one united group that's going to get us these points. Jake Nerwinski said that what the identity needs to be and stuff like that. What, what do you think the identity of this team should be with the personnel that we have just now? Did we get a sign tonight of what that identity is going to be? Not yet. No, they're not even close to having what, especially uh, I remember the first uh, meeting, we, like in, uh, press presser we had with MBS when he explained what he wanted to do um, with this team. They ha- they're not close yet. They're not even uh, a 10. I don't even think they're 10% of what the, he wanted, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that midfield. So no, they're not close yet. So I don't think they, they have anything right now. Right now they're just, they're kind of playing it. They're on the fly right now. They're playing it on the fly or whatever you want to call it. They're just going week by week and seeing what they can do with the lineup. Again, the problem with, with the victory tonight is it, feel, it, it does not feel replicable. And so, mm. yeah, what is the identity? Uh, bunker and hope. Bunker and take the one chance you get. Uh, you know, bunker and then um, uh, hope for some set piece goals. Like, again, not to just take anything away from the three points or the performance of the players and their, their effort tonight, I think, was, you know, uh, there for everyone to see. But in terms of like an actual identity as a football club, I don't think tonight's a, a game where you point to and say, no. this, is, this, is, this is helpful in, in moving forward and shaping who we are. Uh, well, Nalberto says in the chat that he agrees with you that bunkering and playing counterattacking works three out of ten times, but it won't get us a lot of points or wins ultimately. Now, I'm, I'm pro- this is probably going to come off pretty negative, but uh, it kind of it might be an example. I don't know if you guys agree. But a polished turd is still a turd. Yeah, yeah it's probably harsh, but I understand. I, I I, no, no, it's, I, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just using an example of what I couldn't find a middle of the road example that well, wasn't too harsh. So the, I was that, just the whole lipstick on a pig thing. You, you put lipstick on a I was, pig. I was thinking, I was thinking about that pig, one too. But you put some nice frilly panties on it and a little bow in its hair, and it's very sexy and it does the job on a Saturday night. I was gonna say that I was I was afraid you were gonna take a shot at Sadiq or something like that, so I, I decided not to go with that. Oh, I'm not touching that. I thought you would. Well, I, hey, I thought you obviously. were going to because it's after ten thirty. Obviously, I would touch her. But it's I after ten thirty, so I don't know what you're. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So okay, getting back to the football, the one thing that um, from tonight that you could say has been has been in fact, but has been more in word in the recent history and a little bit brought back by maybe by MDS and out of circumstances is the Whitecaps can have a part of their identity as a football club that plays young players and that brings through young players. 
um, we've had lots of discussion over the years about how either well or poorly they've done at that. But that is another thing from tonight. And again, circumstances have dictated some of that. But, um, you know, uh, Hassal and Nets and Baldissimo playing with, you know, uh, South Korean gone and, and whatever. But um, that can be a part of your identity, right? When you think about uh, there are clubs around the world that that is a very, very big part of who they are. And the Whitecaps can have that, but the problem with, the problem has been in the past that they've said that, that this is a part of them, but they haven't really lived it because they've yes. been too worried about getting wins and the, they've been too... The, the, the blurriness between the bottom line and, and the, the on-field ambitions uh, have... It hasn't been clear, right? Which is more important yeah. or which... Well, I mean, tonight, they, they started six Canadians... They brought a further two on. There's a bit of an identity there. MDS said after the game, he knew the team had goals in them and he just wants them to be more pragmatic in the final third. So we did see bits of that tonight, but we're still lacking that spark. We're still lacking... And, I mean, bunkering... If we bunkered every game and we managed to not concede and we won games 1-0, I know I wouldn't be happy with a lot of people... I would take it because a win's a win. We've had this discussion before. That's just what I think. I know it's not pretty to watch, but it it isn't it isn't sustainable. And you have to try and do something to 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 get out of it. And I mean, just some more kind of comments just from the chat, and we'll take some from Twitter as well. Then we'll kind of wrap up the the Whitecaps chat. Some talking Baldy from Navid saying that. Between the switches, he loves the fact that he plays forward and break lines. It was great quality from Baldy. Uh, Naz says, Baldy has shown more in tonight's match than Huang ever did here. Only a minor exaggeration, and he's certainly not wrong there, I've, I've got to say. Oh yeah, Meow Mixology. How would the Whitecaps do in the third tier of Scottish football? That's interesting, because I don't know if they actually have the fight, some of the players, to, to go week in, week out there, because that is a tough league. It's a lot of tough tackling. Someone like Baldissimo, David Norman Jr. before him, they would do very well. David Norman Jr. went and played second-tier Scottish football and did excellent there. They should walk most of the matches, but they would be up against some full-time teams that are used to that level. So that would be an interesting one. If we can get some uh, East Fife to fly over, maybe play some pre-season friendlies against the Whitecaps, that's my dream. The, the Whitecaps go and do a tour of Fife in Scotland. Now Mixology also says, turf is our DP. It is. It damages players. <laughs> oh, Murray Lynn says, am I going to order Chelsea's new third kit? Pink with blue stripes would look smashing on me. Uh, no, but if I'm going to get a pink and blue strip, it's going to be Dulwich Hamlet. I've been wanting one for a couple of years now, but their shipping to Canada is horrendous. And then I wanted to order it when I went back to Scotland, but they had sold out, so I couldn't get one. But anyway, now, some tweets I want to get to. I know there's nothing more boring than just someone sitting reading tweets and emails and stuff, but there is, is some good stuff here I want to get to. Jonathan at uh, LOJD Vancouver says, We look more comfortable being at home from what I could tell. Played with some fight, which I wasn't expecting. Great strike, great strike from Baldy. Good to see Kava get off the mark. Wasn't sure that we were clearly the better team, but we led three times, which is impressive considering. And I, I do feel we have to make this home advantage pay. And, I mean, let's get to the big elephant in the room now. No one knows what's happening next. 
The the next stage of the MLS schedule is expected to get announced midweek, but there's still some big stumbling blocks about what's happening with the Canadian teams. And I I think some pushback from what I've been hearing from the Canadian teams of we do not want to relocate to the States. We've got families, players have families. We don't want to be away for a couple of months to do this. I don't know what the answer is because I don't see the border opening anytime soon. I don't see quarantining ending anytime soon unless they make special deals for the players just to come in and come out. TFC arrived Friday, stayed Friday night in a hotel, played today. They'd considered flying home tonight, but they're flying home tomorrow. So that's a three-day trip for them, but they're Canadian. Would the government here be happy for an American team to do that? I don't think so. Definitely not. Um, Now, isn't... Haven't... TFC in Montreal already secured their places. But that was the rumour. Potentially, if you were mid-September and the season's going on till December, that's a lot to ask. I, I wouldn't do it. Dennis uh, at Den underscore Moren says, Caps finished better tonight. This is three goals. Possession was still lopsided. It was like two-thirds to a third for TFC. And at some, some stage of the match, it was even way more than that. Defensively, the Caps are still a nightmare. Yeah, we won. Everything's okay for now. We don't need to spend any more. Yeah, that that is my worry. We need to make moves. And it is going to be interesting if we do make them now or if we hold... Where, them. where, are, they, where, where are they now? Is, are they... Because like, they're giving mixed signals all the time, saying well, they're going to make moves, do they want to make moves, do they want to spend wisely and stuff like MDS that. MDS says they're actively looking to make moves and they're looking within MLS and Kyle Beck to be a guy that's that's been mentioned. He's now leading scorer, joint leading scorer in the CPL that we're going to talk about next. Yeah, I don't know. But that's it for our Whitecaps chat basically just now, unless you guys want to say anything else. I just want to say that, yeah, they, they do need to do stuff because uh, like I think it was Dennis or whoever the last few was from said, things aren't okay just because they won a match. Right, like there are still major problems at the football club. I mean, even this this, this week alone, again, if you go on Twitter, one uh, another, some more people talking about how they've canceled their tickets. One yes. one person who had tickets from the seventies, one person who has had t- tickets since Swangard. They're still and, and they're saying, "I don't want to give my money to this ownership group," um, and and that's that's a problem. Even if that was two people, if you're this ownership group, if you work for this. If you work for this organization, you should see that as a problem, not as, oh, we'll just replace those people. And that's really been their attitude uh, up to this point. And they like they need to change some things because well, you saw yeah, that tonight. Because, the stands be, were empty. Yeah. Well, no. The thing is, is the thing is they they replace these people. The problem is, is you're not going to replace the people with the results you're getting right now. So that's not going to happen unless you spend money again because you need, you need to make this team bigger, better. Well, if you're losing the hardcore. The only thing you're going to replace it with is the casuals that you're hoping to become the hardcore, and that's that's a tough ask then if you don't have a winning team in the pitch, or or like or like uh, a squad that in, in, intrigues people. And yeah. no no offense to this squad, but it doesn't really in, intrigue most people. As there's we, a few, there's a few talk- players that certainly intrigue me as to what they're doing just now, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. As Miel Mixology just said in the comments, though. Hang tough. <laughs> but that is it for the Whitecaps chat for now. We'll be back talking football and talking Canadian Premier League in the next part. But to round off this part, 
We mentioned it earlier. Yes, it's back. Football Violence Awareness Month is back and we're kicking it off with a, a something a little bit different. Now, you know me, in this section I've been playing lots of English punk bands. Well, I thought I would mix things up a little bit this month to kick things off. We're going to have some French punk music instead. It's a band out of Toulouse in France. This is a song taken from their 2004 album, ST. The band is called Bolshoi, and this is a song called Hooligan. French punk band Bolshoi there with a song from 2004 called Hooligan. 
in honour of the West Ham hooligan Black John that was killed outside Anfield many years ago. Thought I'd add a little bit of Gaelic flavour to it since Thierry Henry is bringing his Montreal team to BC Place next weekend. Hope you enjoyed that. We've got some more songs coming up for Football Violence Awareness Month and a couple of different sounding ones as well I've picked for this month and we'll have those coming up over the next few shows. But we're going to get back to talking football, heading out east to Prince Edward Island and looking at the CPL next. And we'll be back with that after this. How's it going guys? I'm Ben Fisk. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it was the second of tonight's Three of a Kind songs from the wonderful 1980s band Camper Van Beethoven. That was The Day That Lassie Went to the Moon. Taken from their 1985 album, Telephone Free Landslide Victory. Really should have them as Artists of the Month down the line, some great songs from them over the years. Got quite a lot of their albums on vinyl. Have you worked out what the Three of a Kind connection is yet? We kicked off part three with the Yummy Fur, Cosmonauts and Carbonauts, and kicking off this part, Camper Van Beethoven, The Day Lassie Went to the Moon. If you know what the link is, what do you think we might kick off part five with? Find out soon. But for now, we're getting back to the football chat. We're heading out east. Prince Edward Island, the Island Games, Canadian Premier League. The first phase is wrapped up. We've whittled down to four teams, and we're going to talk about that just now. Force clinched their spot in the, the phase two, the final four, with a, a draw with Valor FC. And I've got to give Rob Gale and his Valor team full credit. That was a gutsy performance. Rob spoke after the match that they had nine players injured for this one. And it looked like their goalkeeper, Pantemis, who's played all seven games, he's on loan from Montreal, he's been fantastic. He injured his ankle as well, and it looked like they had to call up an emergency keeper, but he decided he could play. So, I mean, to put in that performance, and Rob as well, folk could say it's making excuses, but I think he's right. They had two very controversial calls go against them. If, if they'd got those calls in their favour, they could have got an extra four points. Obviously, the Queen of Balls, etc, etc. But, I mean, that's four points that puts them into the final four. That's the fine lines, the narrow margins that Rob will love to talk about. 
and was made a fool of a lot of times for it. But it's true, football's full of that. So, I mean, full credit to Valor. The foundations that Rob Gale is building there, I, I think, is very good for, for this team's future. For sure. And the considering, I think they were really, uh, I, I can't remember what their standing was last year, but they were pretty poor. Well, they got hit the injuries and, last year as well. It's like they've been yeah, so lucky. And, and, and they were bottom of the table. So it's good that they bounced back. They obviously made quite a few changes. Um, and even some of the big changes they made, like Brett Levi's, for example, I, I don't know if he was healthy for this game, but last game he, he, yeah, he, he, he was he was, b- he was back with his knee. It still wasn't yeah. right, but he was back playing. Yeah, him yeah. and Fraser played today, and it was fun to watch them play. Uh, Brett... Uh, Nigel Nigel Reed called Kevin calling him Levy, so I like at first I was like oh, he's not I don't think he's playing but I thought I saw him and then I realized he was calling him by the wrong name. But, I, I wouldn't um, go with anything that Nigel says. Oh, no, yeah. a dog's just um, shaking. She agrees. He he set up the he set up the opening goal. Uh, it was a corner and he, yeah. he put in the ball that led to the goal. It was nice, it was nice to see him playing again. And the, the the question that I asked after the match to. A few of the Valor guys, and I mean, I'll I'll put it to you guys now as well. But before I do that, let's just hear what Rob Gale had to tell me after the match. The tournament, obviously, you've spent months preparing for this. It's it's over within seven games. What does what does the rest of the year look like now for you? Are you looking to? Maybe get some of these guys out on loan, get some local friendlies. I mean, it's going to be difficult, I know, but I mean, the group seems to have such good foundation just now that it's a shame to let things just suddenly move away. It's Canada, mate. It's Canadian football. We've had the same with the national teams. We're trying to get young players playing. Um, by the way, total up our under 20 minutes and compare it to anybody else in this tournament because we've smashed it uh, well over double our nearest competitors. And We'll give them as many chances as we can, but there's nothing. Three or four of the lads are coming back to Winnipeg. So if I played a game against some locals, it'll be a five-a-side indoor. They'll be playing in the same league that me and Damien are uh, during the winter to keep fit. The problem we have in Winnipeg, we haven't got the base, we haven't got the numbers, so we won't see these players again until March. Um, And it's, it's a challenge. It is what it is. We know that. Uh, we'll try and find as many outlets and environment because these boys need games. I mean, look at the, the development of the players. Julian Dunn over seven games, absolutely magnificent. Federico, you know, Raph Oheen, all these boys, they need games. They need competitive environments. I think we need to look at it as a league to try and do something between now and March because uh, this idea of a tournament... Um, almost like the MLS is back one would be awesome in January if we could get players back and in environments quicker. So I think it's a, it's a collective thing we need to search for, for the good of the Canadian game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Maybe talk a little bit as well, just about the foundations that you've now got in, in the squad moving forward. You certainly have depth this year that was tested to the, to the full of this tournament, but it looks like you've got a really strong group there. Moses talked about it as well. This is an exciting group going forward. What do you feel you maybe need to add to it now to take the guys to the next level and to be qualifying for, I'd say, a tournament like this into the next round? I think we should have qualified here. If you look at the Halifax game, we deserved three points. The Pacific second half, we just didn't put the ball in the net. 
Um, we were we were valued for I think twelve points in this tournament so far as a minimum. So I'm 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 gutted uh, that the guys haven't got their reward. A couple of games, couple of decisions, master catcher penalty against York was a stone cold one. The Austin Ricci one today, little moments like that give us six more points, uh, or oh, sorry, four more points rather than just taking one. So fine margins, but like you say, let's focus on what we controlled and. The depth is there. Um, we were going to get a centre forward in uh, who can also double up as a winger uh, that was playing top level Serbia. Unfortunately, with COVID, we couldn't get the visa and the paperwork through. We've got a monumental centre back in um, Amir Soto, uh, Panamanian centre back, CONCACAF level, uh, international player. So that gives us uh, back there. And then we want to keep uh, a lot of the pieces we have this year. But I think. If we're going forward, uh, maybe a, a nine and a ten, um, and people will come in and, and create that little bit of magic in the final third and put the ball in the net. That was the only thing that we're missing, and I think it's coming. Look, two again today, but we should have had more. Uh, Moses was unlucky not to get two or three. Say Austin got pulled down there, and then Raf nearly got the uh, the winning goal. Good save by the youngster. So congratulations to him on his uh, his debut. Cheers, Rob. Always a pleasure chatting to you. Take care, Mike. All the best, mate. We'll see you soon. So for four of these teams, Valor, Edmonton, Atletico Ottawa and York 9, that's their season over. So they've had months to prepare, months of uncertainty as to what's going on. Now they have a couple of frantic weeks, they play seven games and that is it until April next year. And Rob Gale said he's only going to have three or four players uh, going back now to Winnipeg, everyone else is going to Canada, around the world. I mean, that's it's not a situation that's great for Valor or these other teams. Rob wants something in place for the, the CPL to maybe have an Island Games pre-season tournament in January so you can bring players in early, evaluate the players you want to look at as well, trialists, stuff like that. But something needs to happen in Canada soccer because some of these guys can maybe go on loan to Europe or whatever if they're lucky enough to have a passport to do that. For for other guys, they, they need to be playing. Like James Pantemis, the, the keeper for one, like he's not going to go and, and now suddenly dislodge Diop in Montreal, but he's had an outstanding tournament. What happens to him? No, I agree. I think they should, at least the minimum they should have done is they should have had like a, a, a loser's bracket or whatever you need to title it, whatever you want. Um, so they could have played a few more games and maybe just done it for seeding purposes for next year or something like that. They could have came up with some reason for doing it. So maybe next year's CPL will be seeded a certain way. Um, so they could have done that. I think should have, they could have came up with something. Um, if, if they had come up with this earlier, they could have done like a, a double like a, like a double tournament kind of thing and like played half the season in one place and then played half the season in another place. But it, it, they took too long to bring this uh, this package together. It's a good thing they got this out uh, because as we talked before, other leagues in Canada, uh, other more established leagues in Canada were not able to put a season together. And it's good to, that they got some continuity in. So for you, you, they can say that they got something in this year yeah. and the next year they come in strong. Well, League, League One Ontario has announced now that they are not having a season th this year, and that's just Ontario teams. But because of the level of play, and we, we're facing that here with like VMSL, Fraser Valley League and the Island League, right now, the phase that they are in 
only allows them to have limited contact. So in a match, for example, if they were to play a match just now under the current conditions, they're not allowed to take throw-ins. They, it would only be kick-ins. They're not allowed to handle the ball, which seems ridiculous. You're on the pitch with these guys and the keeper's handing the ball. So He's I mean, glove. Yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. No, but, but if you're not going to, if you're going to have those rules, you might as well let's not play the game then. Yeah, but that's the worry. I forget what I forget which league it is, but one of the leagues I think maybe the Valley League that I heard is actually playing this year. But um, you know, Michael, you're right in terms of uh, you know, Steve. You're right. It would have been nice for them to have something else. I think the clear answer, the reason why they didn't have more that for these four teams that will only play the seven games, is it is simply a financial decision. I don't think it's uh, helpful for them uh, to be out there. Uh, for longer, to have to pay for them to stay out there longer, to play games that are seeding games or consolation games. I don't think that helps them in terms of uh, broadcasting them anywhere, CBC or even One Soccer or whatever. And so I think that's why ultimately they said, yeah, we're just going to, this is just going to uh, be all that it is. I, Michael, I like your idea or your Rob, um, Rob Gale's idea or whatever of having like a preseason turn, an Island games style preseason mm-hmm. tournament. I think the C- I think one of the great things about the CPL being a new league, and we've talked about this many times under different circumstances in the past is it, it allows them to be flexible. It allows them to be creative. It allows them to try new things. Um, and we know that football leagues around the world, because there's a, you want this mix of this flexibility, this willingness to, to, to do these different things. But there's also like football tradition as well. And so, I mean, um, football tradition, like there's a lot, not all countries, but many countries have multiple cups within their league, right? So they have, you have your, you're playing for the league title, you're playing for like your uh, domestic cup, but then you also like in, like in the, you know, in England or whatever, in like France, uh, you have a league cup, like you have a secondary cup and having a preseason tournament that is like that kind of secondary cup w- could be a good thing in the, in the long term, right? Like I think in, in some ways they could have even done this last year when they went to the Caribbean for preseason. Yeah. And played yeah Cause they were in the Dominican against each other. Um, I, I, I honestly don't think you're going to see that happen in January or February, but it, it, it is something they probably should think about like long term. Could we do something that could be meaningful, that could be broadcast, but we also could have money, you know, money for it, uh, for the winners and the, and the trophy, uh, and build something to be meaningful, so that you know, years down the road, it is a, a part of our culture, right? Even like in Germany, they they they've done like like a four team preseason tournament kind of thing uh, for a league cup in the past. And I mean, you, you could do the same, like you could do an island games on on the west coast. Um, on Vancouver Island, you could even move it back and forth. Do one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and alternate it back and forth. Well, if you're doing it in January, then it makes sense to have it in Vancouver Island because I don't think you could be playing it on PEI come 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 January time. And I mean that that would be fantastic to to kick the season off. It was something that I was hoping to ask David Clanahan before Robbie even mentioned it because I thought this is such a good tournament. It would be such a waste not to have this tournament going forward in some form and pre-season makes a lot of sense to me to, to do that, whether it's January, whether it's March, whatever. But, I mean, you could even use it to seed the the Canadian Championship if things are back to normal as to who enters at what stage or, or something like that. Just give it some kind of meaning. And, yeah, 
something has to happen to get somewhere for these guys to play. That's the the problem, and it's difficult in a can in a country like Canada because you've got the the winter problems with weather and everything like that. New Mixology asks, "What about uh, Baffin Island games?" Oh, I I just remember Baffin Islands from an old Tony Hancock sketch. He was a 1950s UK comedian, and he he was sent to Baffin Island. And I'd never heard of Baffin Island before I, I watched that, which I'd, I'll stress I didn't watch in the 1950s. I did watch the, the repeat of that. But the other game that was on Saturday, Cavalry against York. Now, that's a, that's a rivalry that I'm enjoying. I thoroughly enjoyed the build-up to this, and in particular, Tommy Wielden's Friday press conference that I got up at 7.30 in the morning to be on just because I knew it was going to be good. I, I just love the way that Tommy Wielden approaches games and just approaches football. Everything, it's obviously like from coming from the same UK background, I think it, it's it's why. When, when he's on the sidelines, Jeff Powell has actually said, oh, well, I mean, Tommy just yells for everything. He's yelling at the referees, appealing for everything. And Jeff's like, maybe I need to be more vocal. Maybe I need to be like that. And maybe I'll get calls. Tommy works the sidelines great and his mind games and the build-up to games is fantastic as well because he was playing the, well, you know, York's never beaten us card and he even mentioned, even going back to when we played in the Dominican Republic, they couldn't beat us there and that's going back like nearly two years and he's just bringing that up and he just has little digs and then someone asked him, oh, York's unbeaten in the tournament, what what do you think is behind that success for them? And it's like, well, I mean, if they like drawing that much, I mean, they can have a draw against us. I'd be happy with that. Although he got his facts wrong because if they'd drawn this, Cavalry were in deep trouble because I think they would have been out depending on what happened on Sunday. And I didn't realise that until folk were talking about it today. A draw would have been enough for York to go through. Cavalry deserved 1-0 winners. It was one of those things with Tommy's teams, you always feel and we spoke about this last week, that they've got it in them to get a goal. And they did. They were comfortable, and I'm glad they're in the top four because they deserve to be in the top four. And the way the results went on Sunday, York, one of the, the pre-tournament favourites, what had kind of tipped dark horse by many people, they're out of the tournament. And the thing is, is we're going back to, just I want to quickly go back to the Calvary game because we should talk about this. Um, it was a little oh, bittersweet because yeah. there was a serious injury in there. Uh, it, when you look at the replay, and apparently I didn't see this one soccer showed the replay multiple times. They did. <laughs> they went way overboard good. with it. Yeah. Um, it, it was basically what it looked like to me is that the, the follow-through that he had on the kick um, struck the player, and it basically because they had no give on the turf, that's where the bro- break happened. I don't think the break happened when he landed, uh, when he went over and oh. landed on his leg. I think it, it like happened, his whole leg when he was, buckled uh... It did, but but the thing is, is when he uh, that might have been a different thing, but when he was going over, like going actually going over, you could see his his bottom half of his leg, and this might sound gruesome, was very loose, yeah, and it was kind of like wobbly. So you could tell that the break happened beforehand. He might have done some more damage afterwards. I don't know, uh, but it was a pretty gruesome injury. Um, I don't like. I, you were saying at least a yellow. I don't know. It was it was a borderline yellow for me because while it was a he didn't even go into the player. He was basically just in front of him. 
for me, under old rules, no. I think it's a, it was a fine challenge. I think it was fair. But with the new rules, which I'm still really struggle sometimes to get my head around, it does seem to be if, if you come in at speed and one of your feet at least is off the ground, then that's a red card. And he did, Thompson did do that. It's the speed that you come in. He, he made no contact with the Calgary player at all. He made, he made zero contact with him. Like, like directly, like he didn't slide into his leg. It, the uh, Cavalry's player's leg went into the uh, York defender, Thompson. Mm. So there was no, like, where it was a direct contact with the leg at all. And yeah, this is a hard one. I, 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 yeah, I don't know where, because I, I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I also think, like, as a player's going to kick the ball, if I go in front of him and he gets hurt because he kicks me, don't I have some culpability in that? And, and, I mean, there's I've, there's been lots of cries, uh, not cries. There's been lots of concern expressed over this. You know, as I've been talking to supporters from around the league, um, there there's been extreme frustration over the fact that one soccer tweeted tweeted out it out, you know, and put it out there, you know, for people to watch over and over again. Um, which, what you know, some people are fine with that, some people aren't. But yeah, I'm I'm a little bit not torn. I just I don't know. Uh, I I mean, it's just sad that Oliver Mintel's but has a has broken bone, a broken bone or broken yeah. bones. You can hear the dude wail on the broadcast. That's how that's how you know it was bad. It wasn't like the I'm trying to get the call, a call wail either. It was like yeah. a sincere but, like. Well, that, oh, see, that you, can other, that, you can tell that you can tell that there was a major injury. That was the other thing though with the one soccer coverage. They focused in heavily on him and his face and stuff. I didn't like that. Even when he was going off, they did as well. And it's like Steve Sander tweeted out. That this was a good thing for one soccer to learn from, of learn how not to to cover stuff. I mean, I I don't mind seeing the incident, but not over and over and over, which they they did. And I I mean, I retweeted their tweet just because I was making a comment on it anyway. But and for folks that hadn't hadn't been watching, well, sir, one of the comments I did see on it was a concern over, hey, we're trying to develop skilled players in this country, and that's part of having a league. Is is are tackles like that helpful, or are they just a, a part of the game? I mean, it was a really bad challenge. It was a really bad injury. J- just to give an update for everyone, Minatel went to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Charlottetown immediately from the match. He got surgery that night. He sustained a fractured tibia and fibula, and they did post a, a picture of him all kind of bandaged up, giving the thumbs up as well on Cavalry's Twitter account. So everyone here at AFTN wishes Oliver all the best for a speedy recovery. He is going to stay with the team for the remainder of the Island Games. And, I mean, when the winning goal went in, they ran over and they kissed his jersey. And I think, in a lot of ways, obviously it's a horrible thing to have happened, but this could be the spark, this could be the inspiration that kind of spurs Cavalry on to actually bring the, the championship home now. But yeah, I, I get that there's a lot of debate about this tackle. Some people think it should have been a red. Some people think it should be a yellow. Some people don't think it was anything at all. So let me ask you this. I'm going to ask the coaches this. What's your thoughts on CPL getting VAR? Because it feels like it's badly needed because some of the refereeing has been really poor in this first phase. I don't want to pile on the refs, but I mean, it's true. I don't think it's feasible right now uh, for them, whether it's financially or technically they'll be able to do it because 
some of the stadiums probably wouldn't be able to handle it. So I'm not as sure. It might be something that they could look into two or three years down the road. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably not going to happen right away. Yeah, I think Steve's right. The financial part of it may, will make it hard for them. Um, but you're also right, Michael, in that it is needed. They could, they could do that. Like I said, there's one Central American uh, referee who did the VAR symbol but didn't actually have VAR. I remember that happened uh, a year a year and a half ago. Maybe we could get them to do that to us and then we could be the adjudicating panel. I feel for Forge if that's the case. Though. Vote by Twitter. Vote by Twitter. Yes. Oh, of course, Twitter's, Twitter's the best place to get a proper answer. As long as they don't put their one soccer expert in charge of it. Oh. But just to wrap up the Cavalry and York game, 1-0 win for Cavalry takes them through to the final four as the number one seeds as well after it all. That's how close everything was. A draw or a defeat they could have been going home, a win and they're top of the standings. But I just want to bring you a little bit of audio just to round this part off. I spoke to Tommy Pielden Jr. and Nick Ledgerwood after the match just to get their thoughts uh, about what that match was like to play in and just the never say die and always fighting to the end spirit that Tommy Fielding has basically instilled in all his teams that, that we've seen play over the years. Teams that you've built over the years, they've always got character. They, you always believe that you're going to get a breakthrough, you're going to get the goals that you need. The longer this one went on today, did you still have that belief? How nervous was that for you on the sideline? Um, every, these, these are the uh, games you want to be involved in. I think I said that prior is because if you want to build a championship aspiring team, you've got to be in these must-win games. And, you know, we've played, we've shown different ways to win through this tournament. So you look at Edmonton, we, I thought we outpassed them today. I think we outworked York 9. It's simply we played against probably one of the best, if not the best midfield three and suffocated them. And that speaks volumes to the players. But as the game went on, no, I knew we were going to get something. We were probing. We were having questions asked. I mean, Marcus Abers had one incredible save by uh, Nate Ingham from the corner. Uh, we'd worked on a few little trick set plays. Um, we, you know, Nico Pasquati was back, you know, to his best, I thought, dropping in pockets. Um, didn't feel like they were going to score, if I'm honest, because of the way the guys were, were, were back to themselves. So I wasn't getting nervous per se. I was getting excited, if anything. I think you can see the reactions from uh, when we did score. The, the further the game went on, I think uh, the more and more we felt like we were going to get rewarded. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the, the teams that Tommy's built. He, he built the team uh, around the character and quality of, of players. And that's exactly what we showed today is, uh, you know, the, the character of each and every one of us. And at the end of the day, the, the little bit of quality that, that's needed to win a game. Tommy Wielden Jr. and Nick Ledgerwood there talking about Cavalry FC's fighting spirit. They're through to the final four. Forger through to the final four. Sunday saw the last two matches of phase one. Two more teams went through. Two more teams went home. We'll find out exactly who they were and talk about that and look forward to the second phase after this. Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Oh. 
Welcome back to the final part of tonight's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And as always, kicking off this final part is the final selection for tonight's Three of a Kind. And it's a song you all know, but a version you probably won't. That was Bricks Smith, former wife of Marky e. Smith from The Fall, with a song from her 1997 EP, Happy Unbirthday. The song, of course, was Space Odyssey, a cover of the David Bowie classic from 1969. Did you work out what the link was this week? We kicked off part three with Cosmonauts and Carbonauts from The Yummy Fur. We kicked off part four with The Day Lassie Went to the Moon by Camper Van Beethoven. And Space Oddity there by Brick Smith. The link this week that I was looking for was astronauts, spacemen, space dogs, something of that ilk. And especially the kind that go to the moon. Did you get the link this week? If you did, well done. Did you guess that Space Oddity might be the final song? Again, if you did, well done. And we'll be back next week with another three of a kind. But let's turn our attention back to football, back to the Canadian Premier League and back to the Island Games. Sunday saw the final two matches of the first phase of the tournament, with all still to play for. Forge and Cavalry had sealed their spots in the final four on Saturday. Valor FC were eliminated. York Nine's hopes were hanging by a thread. FC Edmonton had already been eliminated. But going into these final two matches on Sunday, four teams still had hopes of filling those final two spots. The first game was very much a winner-takes-all one between Halifax Wanderers and Atletico Ottawa. Halifax just needed a win or a draw to get through. Ottawa had to get the win. Turned out to be a 2-0 win for Halifax and they claimed their berth in the final four. So well done to Stephen Hart's men for that. And that just left one match to go. The final match of Phase 1. Last placed FC Edmonton already eliminated. Taking on Pamadou Cas Pacific FC. If Pacific won, they were in the final four. A draw or a defeat and they were out and York 9 would move into the next phase of the competition. And what a tense afternoon it was out at PEI. Squeaky bum time indeed. Eastern Ungaro fired FC Edmonton into a 1-0 lead in the 59th minute. Pouncing on a, a loose ball after Callum Irving was unable to hold on to it. But Pacific came roaring back. 19-year-old Josh Herd, who'd been playing VISL soccer up before this tournament, levelled things for Pacific in the 64th minute. And the time ticking down, the minutes ticking away. You needed a hero. You wanted your captain to be that hero. Up stepped Marco Bustos with an absolutely beautiful goal, one of the goals of the tournament, to curl a superb strike into the corner of the net, giving Pacific the 2-1 lead. It was a lead they held on to, moving into the final four. Well done to all at Pacific. Well done to Pamaduka in his first taste of management. And very well deserved as well. I just want to bring you some audio now from after the game. Just a couple of questions that I put to, to Pa and to Marco Bustos. 
like you've been through these games as a player. What was it like being on the sideline, like watching it and not being able to kick the ball? And what have you learned as a coach over these last seven games, do you feel, that's kind of improved your coaching style? That as a coach, you, you have got no control. Once the whistle start, it's gone. <laughs> Once the whistle start, it's just up to the players. You can try to affect it as much as you can. And that's why half times are very important, water breaks were important but you know it's it's you prepare the boys and then once the whistle blow i mean it's just up to the place you know and you can try to change a thing or two but you as a coach you're always going to be a little bit too late to the party but i mean again at halftime you we able to make some uh, uh some changes but also through the hard work that james merriman riley o'neill um, Mark Village and myself have prepared for like for the preparation. Like we could see it, and we could see it today, and that was a huge factor. But I mean, all the credit to the boys. As a coach, you just hope that they could find another gear in what they did. So for me, it's just every single game I'm learning about my team. I'm learning about myself as a coach. What works, what doesn't work. But being in these type of games, I mean, it's all about characters and heart, and that's what we said at at halftime. I'm like. Like in this type is your heart is your mentality. It's your heart and mentality that will carry you and that will show you whether you deserve to go through or not. And we proved that. And over the course of the seven games, I think and believe that the boys did enough to deserve to qualify. What's it been like playing under par? It's like I, I know the two of you have a, a good relationship going back years, but I mean, what's it been like with his motivational style when the teams needed a lift? He seems to be able to give you that lift. Yeah, he's uh, he's very passionate. Obviously, you can all you can all see that. You all know that. Um, but playing under him gives you gives you that extra motivation. You know, when when you have a coach, and the whole group, the whole group wants to play for those coaches. It makes the it makes the game so much so much easier. You know, it makes the group the collective much more together. Um, he's a real, he's a real leader and we're just trying to follow in his footsteps. You know, he played at the highest level and obviously we all dream to play at that level and we just keep going as a group, as a collective. And he's very, he's very family orientated, which, which is what he's trying to do with Pacific FC, you know, bring in good human beings, first of all, and, and obviously all good players, which is important, but to him is, you know, you would rather have a, a a decent, an average player, but a good human than a good player and someone that's someone that's a bit of a cancer to the team. So that's what he's done well with with uh, him and his coaching staff creating this team, and we just keep going. Pamadou Khan, Marco Bustos there, Coca Hoop as Pacific move into the next round. And it's just been a joy watching Pacific so far in this tournament. And Pamaduka on the sidelines, great entertainment, great guy, great character off the pitch as well. Pacific's very lucky to have him in charge. But for every winner, there's got to be a loser. And unfortunately for FC Edmonton, they really struggled in this tournament. Finished bottom of the standings. Just one single point from their seven matches. No wins, one draw, just five goals for and 14 against. But the foundations 
certainly look to be there. We talked about that in the last part with Valor. It's the same as true with Edmonton, particularly on the defensive side. It's just creatively and in attack that they really struggled. So what's next for them? What's next for Jeff Paulus? He did speak a couple of games ago that he felt it might be time for some new blood in charge off the eddies. Well, I just want to bring you some audio from Jeff Paulus now after that final match with Pacific. So we hear a couple of questions from myself and then also one from CPL Soccer's Marty Thompson. That, that's obviously the tournament over now for, for you guys. When you look back over the the last seven seven games, what have you learned about your team? It looks like you've got a lot of foundations to build upon, especially on the defensive side. What's your biggest takeaways from the tournament? Yeah, it's just the um, it's just details of the game, isn't it? You know, I, I really don't feel like we've been severely outplayed. Um, you know, and maybe there's the one or two odd supporters that'll call me daft for saying it, but um, I have to tell you, I'm happy with these players throughout. And um, right from the very first game against Forge, I thought we could have had a result. And, and then you see, though, it's just it was just the one moment. You know, the the free kick today that we gave up uh, on a ball that was played backwards. There was really no. It was it was an unnecessary foul to take, and we took it. Um, these are just the little moments that uh, I think have have cost us, you know, quite dearly uh, in this event. But you know, what we take away, though, is that we've got committed players at this club. And, um, you know, I've been fighting for our players from, from day one here. Um, you know, because quite frankly, I read some things from, from you know, the odd fan that, that says some things about our players that are just plain wrong. You know, so I remind that fan that tattoos are for life. But, um, um, you know, as far as, uh, as far as a group, though, I'm happy with them. There's a lot to build on here. You're right. Defensively, there's a foundation. We've got young players coming up. What a performance by Chance Carter today. Prince Amanda, Marcus Vallado. I thought Anthony Caceres came on the game uh, as another young player, as the number 10 in the second half, and was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, full credit to, full credit to, to, to the group again. And, um, but, you know, listen, this is a process. Uh, we knew the seven games was going to be what it is. Um, but I think the process is, is you know, is, is um, I want to say that, you know, uh, the process will continue and you'll do that with this, uh, with the base of players that have played in this event. We spoke, I think, back in May and you were looking forward to the season. You didn't know what it was going to be. There's been so much preparation go into this year and it, it's done in seven games. What does the rest of the year look like for the team? I mean, these young guys, it might be seven, eight months before they're competitively playing again. Do you look to try and get some kind of loan deals for some of them, maybe over in Europe, or just to try and get something to get them going? No, absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely do that with some of the, you know, some of the players that have the opportunity to go on loan. We'll certainly explore that. Um, we've created a partnership with, uh, with an organisation in Germany uh, to help get our players on loan. Um, we'll also be training here. So when we get back, we'll, of course, take a couple of days off, but we'll be right back in training at FC Edmonton. And um, because this is too long a time for players to sit off to, and not work on their trade. So, um, yeah, we'll get back and train at Schumer home and, and try find, you know, depending on what COVID says, we'll try find the odd friendly, you know, if we can and, and keep these players playing. Yeah, just to piggy off, uh, piggyback off Michael's question, they're like, what, what is next for for the club right now? Is, is that just kind of all that you have planned? Can you plan any more than, than that? Yeah, you know what? Um, get home, take a deep breath, you know, take a couple of days off and um, 
Yeah, sit down. I mean, you know, I'll certainly be having a meeting with uh, with Tom Fath, um, you know, upon my return, and and um, we'll we'll decide the best way for this club to move forward. And um, you know, I said in my post game interview that I mean, I absolutely love this club. I've been with this club a long time, and and I will act in the best interest of FC Edmonton, whatever that means. And uh, that'll be a decision that I make with Tom. And um, but I want to see this club succeed, and um, I'm willing to do my part to make sure that happens. So we'll we'll figure that out, Marty, when uh, when I get back. So Jeff Paulus here, just musing about Edmonton's future, his future. We'll see what lies in store for both. But we now know the four teams that are going to be battling it out for the Island Games Championship. Battling it out as well for a place in this year's Canadian Championship final. Cavalry topped the standings at the end of Phase 1, 13 points from their 7 games. Halifax Wanderers were second with 12 from their 7 Forged third, also 12 from their seven, and Pacific FC getting the fourth and final place, 11 points from their seven matches. The action gets back underway on Wednesday with a pair of games. Halifax taking on Forge at 10am Pacific time, Cavalry taking on Pacific at 5pm Pacific time. Then on Saturday we've got Forge against Pacific at 9am and Cavalry against Halifax at 12 noon. Those two games will be on CBC, with the Forge and Pacific game being on an hour delay. Then on weekend Tuesday, we'll see the final two games of Phase 2 before the following Saturday is the big championship game. It's been great action so far. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. There's been some great goals. There's been some great individual performances. It's been highly enjoyable, highly entertaining. Even the poor refereeing can't spoil that for me. But what lies in store now in this next phase? It's been so intense in these first seven games, the players are almost dead on their feet. Can they now rise again and bring another three performances out of them? It's going to be tough for them. And I just want to bring you a little bit of audio now from two of the guys that will feature in this Final Four. You can hear first from Cavalry FC's Nick Ledgerwood and then from Pacific FC's Marco Bustos. And you're into the, the next phase now. What are you expecting from this next phase? Because obviously every single game matters, every single point's going to matter. There's very little room for error. Do you expect kind of more cagey affairs like today's game or do you think it's going to be a bit more open? I think it'll depend on how many fit players are going to be out on the field. Uh, By the looks of it, players are dropping left, right and centre. So I think, you know, we have have a very good depth in our team uh, that we've been you know, believing in the process of, of rotating players and, and making sure everybody's fit and healthy. And I think we have a, a very healthy team going forward. So, you know, I think it's, there's two more spots, I believe, open in the, in the final four. So we'll have to see who, who grabs those and then we can kind of pick it apart uh, once we get further. The first seven games, they've been so intense. Stephen Hart talked earlier, his players, they're like dead on their feet and now they have to lift themselves again for the next phase. What are you expecting this next phase to be like? Do you think it's going to be open? Do you think it's going to be a lot more cagey because there's very little room for error? Yeah, it's uh, obviously, like I, like everyone knows, obviously we're all in the same boat. You know, we all have played seven, seven games and going to go on to seven, three more. So uh, that's just another another battle. I don't know. I've never played eight games in in this amount of time, or ten games in this amount of time. So it's I don't know what to expect to be honest. But I know we just got to go out and best prepare ourselves 
have a have a good recovery and and come out and try to try to win the next game and just think about that one game ahead. But uh, we're definitely going to need some good rest for sure. So just the thoughts there of Nick Ledgerwood and Marco Bustos about what to expect from these games coming up in phase two. It's also a question I put to all four of the head coaches that are left remaining. So I'm going to give you their thoughts now. What are they expecting from from these games? Is it going to be cagey affairs? Or is it going to be more open games? Partly because players are tired, but also because every point is a premium at this stage. And if you don't go for it, what's the point of being in it? Well, we're going to hear the thoughts of Cavalry FC's Tommy Bielden Jr., Forge FC's Bobby Smyrniotis, Halifax Wanderer's Stephen Hart, and Pamaduka from Pacific FC. I don't know. I mean, we cycled the ball quite well because York chose a tactic to sit very deep and let us have it. And we wanted to stretch them a bit. We wanted to play in the spaces behind, back them up a bit, and then start moving the ball across the back three in our holding mid, which I thought we did quite well in, in, in stages. Um, so we'll just play what the opposition gives us. If they want to press us, like what Halifax did, we'll try and look at the spaces. If they want to drop low, like York did, we'll try and find, you know, be patient with our probing. But I think it's now going to be a, um, a tournament of um, resilience. You know, the, the the team with the fittest bodies and, I'll be honest, we, we, we've got bodies that are hurting. We've, we've got, you know, a lot of unfortunate injuries to our front lines. But what we do have is players that will play out of position, like Bruno Zebi's playing out wide and then in the, in the middle, you know, Jordan Brown's an out-and-out striker and he's covering back at left midfield. Uh, Nico Pasquotti switched for Oliver playing in the attacking midfield, then out at right wing. Lads will just do whatever needs to be done. Um, and that's what our strengths are. Well, there's two ways to look at it. One, it's every game is uh, kind of a championship match because it sets you up for, for the next one. One thing uh, we've learned quickly here is uh, that the fatigue injuries are, are a major factor in how games are go and how things, uh, how things happen. So, you know, I think games may start off cagey, but as they go on, fatigue starts uh, kicking in. And sometimes you see a little bit of what we saw today, uh, which is a little bit more transition football, especially in that last 15 to 20 minutes with teams going back and forth at each other. So so it's interesting because when you look at the physical load on the players, uh, it's immense. It's immense what the players are, are doing over this time span. I commend all of them, not just my players, but to every single player in this league for, for the performances they've been able to give on the field. And I think there's a lot of quality football uh, but that's one thing uh, I expect in the next round you know we don't have a week from now until the next one it's it's three days for some of the teams that are playing tomorrow and we'll move on to the next round they'll have two days um, so I think the games are going to look different in the first half and the second half of the next round it's going to be difficult for the games to be open to be honest I mean everybody's in the same situation I mean there, there are a couple of teams that are in the final now that you know they had the early phase of a lot of games but they they got they got almost a week off and that, that that's going to be, you know, that has a huge impact um, in terms of, of you know, uh, all their players being being in a, in a certain state mentally and physically. Um, but really and truly, uh, I, I haven't thought much about this this final four yet and how I go into the games, et cetera, et cetera. I'll wait till everything uh, plays out in the game later and then you know we'll see how we approach things but I do know the players need to rest the seven games at the start of the tournament Tommy Wilden said that this tournament was going to be like a war of attrition Stephen Hart mentioned earlier this morning that his players are like dead on their feet and now they kind of have to lift themselves again 
What are you expecting from this next phase? Do you think it's going to be tired teams out there or because every point is a premium just now, teams are just going to go for it? I mean, now that you have your seven games and you're in the top four, I mean, if you're not trying to go for it, why, why are you even in the top four? You understand what I mean? So right now at this point, it's you always have to go for it. And for us, we, we play the game to win. All right, so any game we go in, we are going to play to win. And to see them dig that much, obviously it's it's a short turnaround, but sometimes, you know, you don't got time to think because you look at the Premier League, you look at Champions League, it's a game every three days. So, and it's a, it's a huge test for these boys, but it's different because they haven't played for, what, 300 and something days before they came to this tournament. And, and the tournaments why? All the teams, I think, played good football. Like Edmonton was very unlucky, but you have to give credit to them. They battled to the last moment in those seven games. And in those seven games, they were always in the game. And they were just unlucky that they couldn't find the net. Ongaro didn't find it. But to have a coach like um, Jeff Ballas in them has been brilliant. And for me, just to see a guy like him, I have so much respect for him and how he deals with these patients. You know, it's, it's, but credit to, credit to every team. Even Valor, you know, Valor who, who fought in the last minute, unfortunately having a lot of injuries, you know, didn't like, didn't help them. You know, and same for Atletico and same for York, you know, and, and I think the quality of the league is just going to grow and get better. And the teams that are left is going to fight for it. And I think we obviously we're going to see tired legs, we're going to see everything. But I think the adrenaline and, the, and, and just knowing that you have a chance to win something will carry everybody. There's no player that will ever play 100% during this season, so. So the thoughts there of all four head coaches that remain in the Ireland games. Looking forward to seeing what lies in store. As I said, the first games are back on Wednesday. If you get a chance to take them in, make sure you do. That's pretty much it for tonight's show, but just before we go, I want to just get your thoughts on Victor Mintagliani. This is going to come as a shock, I know. It looks like these World Cup qualifiers aren't going ahead in September and October. We said it was never going to happen. Now they're looking at maybe November, but probably March. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe November, probably March. Big Mm. difference. It's just a matter of scheduling. They have to have the schedule ready to go. And I'm sure they have multiple schedules for this because they know it's probably going to get delayed. So I wasn't surprised that, like, like we all said, it's, it wasn't going to happen. But you can't, you can't expect them to, you know, maybe, you know, the Russian vaccine comes into play and everybody's healthy again in a couple months and maybe they're ready to go. So they have to have them ready to go. But yeah, November. I don't even think November is going to happen. I think March or they might even, you know, what the crazy thing is, they might have to delay the World Cup. What if they have to do that for a year? It's possible. I'm sure they'll get a way not to, and they'll just be like, "Oh, we'll just go in FIFA rankings." Well, Something now like. they got the now they got the bubble thing. Like, I'm sure they could have done the Euros back in June if they knew, like, if they knew the, how successful the bubble would be. So they probably yeah. can't do the bubble thing in in for the World Cup or in future well, tournaments. The the, the one of the problems with that Euro was it was the first Euro to be scheduled to happen across multiple places. Yeah, yeah. or across Europe. Yeah, which I mean, they still could have chose one or two of them, but yeah. The Gold Cup. It's been announced for 2021 and 2023. We're going to have some special guests attending. Yes, Qatar. 
are going to win the 2021 and the 2023 Gold Cup. Definitely the 2021. I'm pretty sure all the Brazilians will have buggered off by the time 2023 comes round and the World Cup's finished. Um, is it going to be still held in the US? I I'm think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. They, they, they've done that in the past. They've invited other countries before. I think uh, uh, Brazil was there one year. Mexico. Colombia, South Korea. Mexico. For... Mexico is supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> South Korea. <laughs> okay, on that note, let's just wrap it up. Thank everyone for, for watching. Very much appreciated. Thank everyone for listening. Before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. <clears throat> for me, it's at Zachary. Yeah. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer. Give us a follow as well on here at YouTube. Please like, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave comments, all this stuff that's going to help us get our algorithms up. If you can help us get to a thousand subscribers as well, that would be fantastic because then we can monetize this. So as always, thanks so much for listening. Take care, stay safe everyone, and finally... More caps, yes, three points. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, Wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.